advice or information in, in today's presentation is general in nature and does not consider your personal circumstances. You need to consider for yourself whether it is appropriate for you. Okay, let's rip straight into it. This week we are joined by Murray Hill, the MD of Marenica Energy. Uh, Murray and the team at Marenica had a very strong 2020 and uh, just at the right time as global uranium markets are heating up and nuclear energy uh, looks to be firmly back in favour um, across the globe, Murray. Murray, uh, your reputation as a battle axe is enhanced today. Um, just so that the audience knows, Murray had a partially detached retina, uh, which sounds uh, uncomfortable and painful. Uh, underwent surgery on, on, on his eye uh, earlier this week, um, but is not letting that get uh, in the way of uh, sharing his company's story. So appreciate that, Murray. I'll hand over the controls of the presentation to you now. Thanks, Warwick. Yeah, we breed them tough in the country. Uh, we need to get on with life. Um, so pity we didn't do that with uh, COVID. Now, uranium, what a fantastic time to be involved in uranium. Um, the decarbonisation is getting a strong, uh, gathering strong momentum. And uh, we need low power or low carbon power emissions to, uh, to fuel that um, decarbonisation bandwagon. And the EV revolution is gathering enormous pace too. And again, we're going to need a lot more power than we currently generate uh, to feed these batteries because some people don't realise that batteries store energy and discharge energy, but they don't produce energy. So we need to put energy into them. Uh, so we need a lot more power than we currently have. So, so as a consequence, there's a lot of talk about uranium, as you point out, and about nuclear power. And um, you know, we're in an unprecedented supply deficit at the moment. Uh, with something like 60 million pound uh, lower uh, supply than there is a uh, requirement from demand and demand continues to increase with 50 odd reactors in construction, uh, 321 reactors proposed to be constructed before 2040. So we're going to need a lot of power uh, and uh, we're going to need a lot of baseload power uh, and low carbon emission power and that's where um, uranium comes into it and that's where we fit into this mix. So. We've developed a, um, a counter-cyclical uh, strategy a few years ago when the uranium price uh, continued to be low, uh, and that was to acquire assets that met a defined criteria and to uh, explore and build our large uh, tenement position in Namibia. And all this was underpinned by our upgrade beneficiation process, which we developed in-house and patented. So we've delivered on that strategy. As, as you said last year, we had a great, uh, before we had a great last year, uh, we picked up 48 million pound of uh, high grade assets in Australia. And uh, we also now have the largest land position for nuclear fuels in Namibia. And uh, we have successfully exploring on those. We've found two deposits uh, or two areas of mineralization at the moment. And we've got a lot more um, areas to explore on. And that's what we're gonna plan to do this year. Upgrade, uh, as I said, it reduces cost base by 50%. Uh, it's a fantastic process. It gives us uh, optionality, and uh, really, at this time, you know, when we're 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 cashed up, we've got a good strategy. We've got good ground. We've got uh, assets in Australia uh, and Namibia, uh, and we're talking strongly about nuclear. So it's it's a great time to be in uranium. So focus uh, at the moment is on Namibia. Uh, it's a fantastic jurisdiction. Uh, Rossing uranium mine have been there since uh, 1976, continuously operating. Uh, Rio Tinto offloaded that last year to uh, to the Chinese company. Um, uh, it's it, the government's very supportive, and uh, you know we uh, have the NUA, which is the Namibian Uranium Association, look after um, or the conduit between explorers and developers and government um, stakeholders, the general public, 
they do a fantastic job of supporting the industry. So very much, uh, it's, I think Namibia is the fourth largest uh, resource in the world for uranium, and uh, you know it's a great place to be. And, and remembering back to when I was a shareholder of Husab or Extract when they had the Husab project, they sold that uh, in in 2000 and I think 2013 for a mozza, a couple of billion dollars. So a really great area to be in. What we're looking for, we're looking for paleo channels. We're looking for secondary uranium deposits that have that have uh, where the uranium's leached out of the highlands of the the um, base rock, bedrock, and flow down towards the coast in old paleo channels, old river systems. So when those conditions are right for uranium precipitation, it precipitates in these old rivers, and that's what we're looking for. So we call them paleo channels. Uh, we uh, They're all generally within 30 metres of surface, so quite uh, easy uh, in terms of low-cost drilling and quite easy for mining. So uh, it, a, very, a very good place to be. There's a lot of paleo channels north of uh, Rossing, uh, and, and north of, uh, sorry, south of Rossing, all on the, sort of towards the west coast of, of Namibia. Um, so Namibia is probably one of the best countries to be in in Africa. As I mentioned, very supportive uh, uh, government and, and uh, fantastic place. So we're um, we've focused on the bottom part uh, of the Orongo region of Namibia, uh, where General Mining, who morphed into Gencor, did a lot of exploration in the late 70s, early 80s, and they found the deposits, uh, that, the paleo channel deposits for Langerheinrich, Tumas and Osinanus, which is shown on this map. There's in excess of 230 million pound of resources in those three projects. And what we've done is we've gone, okay, well, the uranium's flowed through these paleo channels from the highlands down towards the coast. Um, so that means they've had to, so we've just gone upstream of where these known deposits are, knowing that the uranium's flowed through those areas and more than likely precipitated. So. Uh, a lot of our targets were, um, our, our exploration targets uh, have been generated by um, general mining back those many years ago. So we're, um, uh, we've got a good exploration program in place. We, now that we've got money, we can look at uh, alternative um, means of exploration, and I'll talk about that very shortly. Uh, but the one I want to focus on is the first one we discovered and the first one we got granted, the Copies Tenement. Uh, we drilled on that uh, we, and drilled some twin holes that, um, that general mining drilled. We confirmed their mineralization, and then we started to use ground-based geophysics to understand where the paleo channel ran. And so, as an example of, of how difficult these things are to find, the second drill hole we've mentioned here, three meters at 3,000 ppm, that um, and one meter at 7,000 ppm, that one meter at 7,000 ppm is from one meter to two meter. Now, so there's one meter of cover sitting above that, and a, so the, the radiation level at surface is lower than the radiation coming out of your granite bench top in your kitchen at home or that prefab concrete wall you've got in your factory. So very difficult to uh, identify by surface mineral um, surface radiation. And also there's no obvious uh, footprint on surface from uh, or expression from an old river system. So the, the new, um, I suppose, the new rivers or new drainage systems um, sit in slightly different positions. So what we need is ground-based geophysics, uh, what we called HLM, horizontal loop electromagnetics, uh, and we identified areas of bigger channel. We went and drilled that, and then we did a bit more HLM. So what we've actually now is got, we've drilled about 40% of this area, and we've got some excellent grades in amongst it. Um, and what we decided that we could go and, we could go and spend a million dollars and drill this to, to, um, to generate a resource. Uh, but then we thought, well, why spend a million dollars when we didn't have much money? So we went and spent $120,000 and we found the largest uh, largest um, paleo channel system on, on our largest tenement in Namibia. This paleo channel 
is is longer than the width of the English Channel. So that really puts it into some sort of perspective, uh, and that's mineralizes it for the pretty much its full length. So we now know that within that Paleo Channel, and the Paleo Channel systems on Hitterbeb is that uh, there are going to be areas where there's higher grade mineralization, where there's been a trap where that solution has flowed down many years ago and, and uh, precipitated in greater concentrations. So. Uh, that's that's you know the reason why we didn't go and put a resource on it. We can go and spend some of that million dollars on exploration. That's what we that's what our plan is. Go and spend money on exploring these other tenements we've got. There might be another five six copies out there uh, that we can. That when the uranium price starts to move, uh, we're incentivised to go and drill it. We'll just go and put a rig in there. Three months later, you've got a resource. So uh, that's what really what we what we're planning to do. Um, and so so. What we're looking at now, instead of trying to do geophysics, ground-based geophysics on this tenement, which, by the way, is 44 kilometres from our most western point to its most eastern point, 22 kilometres from north to south, that's a huge uh, APL. Uh, we're going to uh, look at flying airborne uh, electromagnetics and identify the part of your channels in a lot faster than we could by ground-based ground geophysics. So plenty of excitement in Namibia, plenty of upsky. Uh, up, up blue sky potential because uh, we've got some fantastic ground that we haven't even touched yet and I'm looking forward to uh, getting on, on to the other tenements uh, nearby these ones uh, while we're waiting for the airborne EM to come in. So moving to Australia we've got um, we've got a number of projects we picked up uh, from uh, Paladin Solomon a fire sale um, about three or four, four years ago picked up by a private company we then purchased them from the private company. Now we've paid in the ground four cents per pound for the uranium that's in the resources. Now I'll take you back to Extract and I can actually consult it to Extract um, in Namibia. They sold the HUSAB project for $4.50 per pound in the ground. So I'm not suggesting we're another HUSAB, I'm not suggesting we're another Extract, but what I'm saying is that four cents per pound versus $4.50 per pound uh, puts things into perspective. So you know any movement in the uranium price, uh, you know we can expect these assets to significantly increase in value. So. Um, strong leverage the uranium price, but one of the things that we have done, an example of what we can do to add value to these projects, the Angela project, which is 31 million pound at 1300 ppm, 25k south of Alice Springs, great location. You've got everything there. You've got a train line. You've got roads. Uh, all the infrastructure is there. Uh, we, uh, it, the impediment to that being developed in the past uh, by previous owners is is the very high acid consumption in the leach process. Now that acid consumption is in the order of, well the sample we tested ran 104 kilos per tonne um, and it's 40 cents per kilo to get acid delivered. So you quickly do your maths on that, that's that's a big number per uh, dollars per tonne. And then we went and did some test work with our upgrade process and we reduced the acid consumption to 24 kilos per tonne. So that's an 80 kilos per tonne reduction in acid consumption and uh, at 40 cents per kilo. Uh, so unfortunately, I, uh, ASX limits me in telling you what $80 times 40 cents is, but you can pretty quickly work out that it's a high number, uh, and that's a huge reduction in costs that we can do. So that's just from a very small program we've done on, on the Angela deposit. So Upgrade, we think, is going to add significant value to the Australian assets, as well as um, you know, is a catalyst for us to explore in Namibia. So it really is a differentiator between us and uh, our peers. It's 100% owned. It was developed in, in collaboration with the CSIRO. Uh, we've got um, three patents over it, um, or three patents over the process itself uh, in a number of jurisdictions around the world. Essentially, it's a it's a process that uses commonly used unit operations unconfigured, uh, configured in an unconventional manner for uranium. So we're just exploiting the properties of the minerals that are present, rejecting the ones that don't contain uranium based on those properties, 
and in the process we reject greater than 95% of the mass prior to leaching. So what that means is that instead of having um, not 100% of you all going to a, an acid leach circuit or an alkali leach circuit uh, and chemically attacking it all, you're only chemically attacking less than 5%. So your, in, your impact on the environment is far less. Uh, and in fact, what we do, because we re pull the calcite out, which is the acid consumer in the oil, we can recombine that with the tail leach tailings later on, completely neutralise the tailings and have an inert tailing stream, which is, is quite unique in the uranium uh, uranium and mining industry. So it puts us in a pretty pretty good position. So what we've been able to do is on the Maranica project, uh, 93 ppm, we've taken that to plus 5,000 ppm with the upgrade process. Uh, and the upgrade process, so it's, it reduces CAPEX and OPEX by 50%, which I mean, indicated before, which means that's the catalyst for us to go and explore. Because we know if we get the same grade ore body as uh, our neighbours in Namibia, we're going to develop, de develop this at a lower price. Uh, than they can. So that, that gives us a, a big edge. And what it does is provides us optionality. So because we can produce a concentrate, um, we, c we can then take that concentrate off-site and leach it and refine it somewhere else. So we don't have to go and build a leach. We don't have to go and build, uh, bring in uh, acid or reagents, so reagent corridors. We don't need the tailing stem and we don't need a yellowcake refinery. So that simplifies uh, the, um, the process itself. Um, and also reduces the capex required. And also, because we produce concentrate, we can we can develop smaller projects uh, and lower grade projects than anybody else. And of course, we've still got the option to go and put a yellowcake refinery in ourselves. So it's it's a fantastic position to be in, and Namibia is a good place to be on that basis because we've got um, the as I say, Rossing's been there for for forty years, continuously operating. So. Just a corporate snapshot quickly, uh, we've got three directors, uh, we've got strong technical expertise, I'm the champion of the upgrade process, uh, we've got skin in the game, the directors and management have got 6.6% and uh, we've got a low, number, a low number of shares on issues. So in a strong position and we've got a lot of cash in the bank, um, the most cash we've had uh, since I've been at the helm, so it's quite exciting for us to get in and explore and that's what we are doing, we're planning our exploration program, uh, our airborne EM uh, we're looking at doing that uh, in Namibia over the next well, four months uh, by the time we get the helicopters in there and get moving on the ground. Obviously, there's COVID restrictions that have to be met. Uh, but we're not going to wait for those results before we start doing other work. We're going to be working on other EPLs in Namibia that we know uh, where some targets are to go and look at. So we're going to be doing some ground-based geophysics to get moving and then some drilling. So we've got a continuous news flow. Uh, over the next six months while we're still waiting for the airborne EM to come in and identify drill targets um, at, at uh, Hitterbeb. So uh, quite exciting position to be in when you've got a bit of money and you can go and do things that you need to do. So just in summary, we've got a large uh, tenement position in Namibia, the, the largest in, in, in the country, uh, and we, are, we have successfully explored and found uranium on two of the EPLs that we've, uh, we've explored so far. We've got this great portfolio of high-grade assets, and they're very much underdeveloped in Australia, and we've got upgrade. No one else has got upgrade. Uh, it gives us fantastic first mover advantage compared to our peers, and it's a clear differentiator between our peers and us. So, uh, and we've got an experienced team to take this forward, and we and we're quite excited about what it brings for us. So, thanks for your um, opportunity, Warwick, and thanks for people listening. And uh, you know, as I say, we've got skin in the game. We've got skin in the game for pretty good reasons because we believe we've got fantastic projects and a great time to be in uranium. Thanks, Murray. Very exciting uh, time, I think, uh, indeed. Uh, just looking at uh, 
the global weather reports. I see the U.S. Uh, is having uh, a bit of a weather event, and with uh, sort of large-scale blackouts uh, across the country. Do you think those? I mean, I mean, and these seems to be happening all the time. Do you think these sort of events will just drive people further towards uh, nuclear? Is that is that what we what we're talking about and looking at when we're looking at these um, these massive blackouts? Yeah, well, I saw something on uh, social media yesterday where they've got helicopters um, spraying uh, wind turbines and trying to get the ice off them from the snowstorms to um, get them to work. So yes, they're, they're certainly, and of course, solar won't be working in a snowstorm. So they're, they're, it really is some of these events around the world, and particularly, say, California, where they've uh, where they've pushed to uh, move to, to renewables, they're having multiple blackouts. So I think those events are really beginning to people are beginning to realise that gee, maybe we do need reliable baseload power. That's low carbon emission, and uh, you know I think that's and also people think EV. They think straight away I'm I'm clean because I've got an electric vehicle. Well, if you're getting your electric vehicle charged by a coal-fired power station, well, you're not clean. So unless you've got um, you know low carbon emission energy feeding it, then you know you're not what you think you are. So I think people are beginning to realise that, but it's taking a lot of work. And Michael Schellenberger, one of the uh, environmentalists, he's turned around and said we were wrong years ago about um, going against nuclear, and we should be really pushing that strongly now because that's the way of the future. So you know it's helping with those sorts of people, and it's helping people, and also realise that shit, I don't have power because people want to come home, want to turn their lights on. If they can't turn their lights on, mm, they're not happy, and of course their devices don't work. Their battery life isn't long enough on these devices. So yeah, it's it's I think it's having a big impact, right? Yes. Yeah. So we, we've already seen, I guess, uh, sort of uranium and and uh, sector heating up and uh, starting to uh, starting to look really bullish. Does that does that accelerate your your timetable at all? Or do you are you thinking um, what 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 does that do to your thinking regarding sort of prospecting versus uh, production? Well, it reinforces uh, what we've done over the last few years to build this company uh, countercyclical reinforces why because we knew there was a deficit coming forward uh, that was going to happen that was inevitable so uh, it reinforces that it also um, you know what what gets us going now is the ability to raise funds you know there's a lot of money coming to uranium and a lot of other um, commodities and industries uh, uh, last year when people were sitting twiddling their thumbs during COVID they decided to put money into to different commodities and we got a benefit of that so now we've got money to go and do what we wanted to do previously we've really had to keep the purse strings really tight and try and get through and, you know, spend 120 grand on Hirabeb to find that. Uh, now we can go and spend, you know, half a million on an airborne EM and get results really quickly to identify targets. So so the, the money coming into the industry has accelerated our exploration program. And by the way, that's not to say we're going to waste any money. We're just using it very wisely and, and accelerating that. But it just, and it reinforces what we've done and why we did it. So, uh, you know, that's that's why uh, we put, I think, directors and management put in 350,000 in the last capital raising. Um, pretty good reason. There's only yeah. four of us in it, so it's a pretty good reason why we did that because we believe strongly in in nuclear uh, and where we're at as a company. Yeah. Look, Murray. Uh, thanks very much for uh, for your time today. There are a bunch of questions that have come in uh, from Joshua, Chris, uh, Trish, and um, a few others. So we'll we'll get those over to you and uh, help you get them answered. Uh, reach markets help uh, Marinica with uh, with their investor relations. If you want to be added to their emailing list, type in M-E-Y, M-E-Y, into the chat box now, and we will add you to Marinica's 
uh, list. Thanks very much, uh, Murray. Good luck with your recovery on your eye, and uh, we look forward to seeing some of that news flow shortly. Thanks, Murray.